Hey everybody, welcome back to Small Talk Japan. On this show, we talk about all things Japan in English. My name is Mitch, this is... Josh. Hey Josh, and today we got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about how Japan is totally opening. It's actually happening. It's totally happening. No, like, no, no. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not being sarcastic. I can't tell. Are you being sarcastic? I swear to God, I'm not being... <laughs> is it happening? <laughs> it's actually happening. It's actually happening. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a guy who wanted to become a dog. Woof. We're going to talk about the most expensive melons. Oh, yeah. And we're also going to talk about how a train conductor got left by his own train at a train station. Roll that intro. So, <clears throat> so you know, I got to I gotta talk about it. I got to talk about it at the beginning of the show. I know, I know it's maybe not super Japan related, but I do need to contextualize a little bit. Okay. Recent events. Got to talk about it. I gotta ask you a question. So on the audio version of this podcast, do, do we play the intro music? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you guys enjoy the intro music is actually pretty fun. Uh, every time, like, because I I watch the show, I listen to it, and like while I'm like working out in my living room, which by the way, my living room is like the size of like most people, like Western American, North American like toilet rooms, like what do you call them, bathrooms. Yeah. It's about the same size, and I have like a, a TV, an IKEA couch, and a full squat rack in there. <clears throat> I can barely move. Yeah, I mean. I would say your apartment's not small for Japan, but it's small for all of the things that you're fitting in there. Yeah. It's also in the most convenient place ever. It's like right in the middle of downtown. But yeah, I kind of, I need to move. So what I actually want to do, I was talking to my friends about this. I was like, I want to rent like a place that should be like a bar or like a lounge or something like that downtown and just make it into like my own bar, club, house, gym thing. And then live there? I don't know if I'd live there, but I definitely like hang out there a lot because I was thinking about, I was like, how much do I spend drinking every month? And I don't want to like talk numbers because, you know, there's, you know, it's a different country and different, everybody's different. But I was like, I waste a lot of money drinking. And if I had my own bar, even if I didn't even charge people to drink at my bar, if I just bought alcohol for people at a store instead of buying alcohol at a bar, it would still be cheaper. Hmm. Yeah, probably. So I was like, I should, I should open a bar. Yeah, like how much is a, a normal beer in uh, America, for example? Like if you go to a restaurant or a bar or something. Yeah, I don't know because like inflation now. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to go home in a little bit and I'll, I'll be able to tell you. But I was shocked when I went home. So I'm from Vegas, everybody. And I, I went home to Vegas in 2018 before the pandemic. And like historically, Vegas is like dollar beers. You know, because like they made all the money from the casino. Right. So anything to get you in the door. They're just like, fuck it, come in, gamble your life savings away. We'll give you anything you want to do so. And so it was like a dollar a beer. Or if you were gambling, it was free. And you just like tip the the cocktail waitress who's right. always female because that's, you know, equality. And, uh, you know, that that's how it worked. But then I went home in 2018 and like, you know, I went to this place called uh, City Center. Is that the name of that place? I think it's called. I have no idea. <laughs> I'll Google it later. I forgot. It's basically, it's like the, uh, the Aria. Uh, I went to the Aria. It's like this, th- it's like this giant, like it's half owned, I think by Dubai world or something. It's like this giant gray, boring, like, like hotel casino complex that they made in the middle of the strip. And like, we went to a bar. It was either at the Cosmo or the Aria. I don't remember, but we went to a bar and it, we like, I ordered a beer, I think. And it was like $12. And I was like, plus tip. So it's like $15. And I was just like, wow, that yeah. sucks. I mean, I hear all these stories. I've heard stories from you and I've heard stories from uh, like other YouTubers that I like, like Ludwig, for example, who's a streamer. Like one of his videos recently, he said that he went to uh, Vegas for a bachelor party mm. and he got like this big drink, probably bigger than one of these venti coffees that we're drinking. How, how, how many ounces do you think this is? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty big though. Yeah. But 
he was saying that like one drink that was mostly alcohol was like 60 bucks or something. Okay. Like so, I went, so, so I went to, uh, so, uh, for the countdown, me and two friends from Japan, we went to Vegas. Right. And, uh, like I got us into a club for the, for the, actually, no, sorry. It was the day before the countdown. Countdown was a live performance by, um, uh, uh, I don't remember. Bruno I mean, Mars? No, no, no. Bruno Mars was two years before that. Uh, the Foo Fighters. Oh. Okay. So I went to the Foo Fighters, like countdown, whatever. It was great. Anyway. So um, actually, we like we missed the countdown. It was like, like we were just having fun in the concert. And then like, uh, like they're all like, I think it's the new year. Fuck yeah, new year. <laughs> How many years ago was this? I think it was, I think it was between 2000. It was either 2017 to 18 or 2018 and 19. I don't remember, but it was before the pandemic. Anyway, so I'm there with two friends. One's Japanese, one's just from Japan, but, but he's originally from Canada. Ricky. And um, like, <laughs> because it's so packed during the, the holidays, like I try to get into the, the club v- VIP. We're on the VIP shortlist. And even then we can't get in because there's just too many people. So like I motioned to this guard man, right? I was like, hey, bro. And he's like, hey. And I give him a handshake with a $100 bill in it. I was like, can you get three bros inside? And he's like, right this way. He flashlights us in, gets us all in. So we get in and like uh, we go to the bar and it's like, dude, it's like you're I mean, pre-pandemic. You're compressed in there against all the hot, sexy people in the club. And you just cannot if you're carrying an open top drink, you're just going to spill it everywhere. So we go to the bar and the guy's like, I recommend you get this plastic like memorabilia cup with a lid on it. And I was like, how much is that? He's like $85. And it's about the size of this Vinti coffee. So it's, you know, if you think about it in America, it's like a McDonald's soda, like medium, basically, yeah. right? Or it, Japanese large. Or Japanese <laughs> doesn't exist because they don't get that big. But anyway, and so like the dude, the dude just said, I was like, we can put anything you want in here for 85 bucks. And I was like, okay, because this is like the premier club in Vegas. I don't remember the name of it because I don't remember a lot about Vegas. So I was just drunk the whole time. But anyway, uh, the, the dude, it's like, because everything, all the bar stuff usually happens out of a gun. Not that kind of gun, but like a, a bar gun, really yeah. a dispensing gun. And the, I was like, "All right, can you give me a jacking, a jack in, a jack in, a jack in soda? Oh, okay, soda water." And he's like, "All right, tell me when." So he puts ice in the cup, and he just starts filling it with Jack, with the gun. And I just like, it's like, it's like a stare down. Like it was like a, it was you like guys a standoff. Are playing chicken. So yeah, you know. yeah. I was just like, I was like, "Come on, come on." And then like he gets to the very top, and I was like, "Put a splash of soda on that. We'll call that a jack and soda." And, uh, and he put the lid on and gave me the straw and that was it. And like, the thing is, is like, it's 85 bucks. But you got to tip them. So it's just a hundred dollars. So not only was it a hundred dollars to get in, even though we we're VIP it's a hundred dollars for the three of us to get in. Cause like, if you're a dude in yeah. Vegas, you're trying to get into a club. Good fucking luck. If you're a hot chick with like smoking and you dressed up to the nines, they'll, they'll pull you out of line to put you in the club. Right. But if you're a dude, they're just like, you wait, even if you're VIP, unless you're like roller VIP, if you're like. If you're like, if you have a Wikipedia page, if you have a Wikipedia page <laughs> and like a, a Centurion black card, you just yeah. like write this way, sir. Did I ever tell you that? What I think I said on the show before that I got confused in Bob Saget's group once. Oh yeah, yeah, you said that. Yeah, yeah, like like he his group was going in VIP, my group was going in VIP because like I'm from Vegas, so I know people, so they like yeah. put me on the list and everything. And so, but they confused us with them, and they gave us a wristband with a a barcode on it, and they're like, write this way, and like we were drinking on Bob Saget's dime the whole time it was great but anyway but uh just to connect it to japan though like i i was thinking that i could never i don't think i could ever actually go to vegas that's why dude that's why i moved to, we'll get into why i moved to japan but 
I, I don't I, think I could go to Vegas, like, mostly because, of, like, the amount of money that you have to drop just to get in and all that. Like, in Japan, you go to, like, an izakaya bar. Yeah. And we have nomi hodai here, all you can drink. Yeah. So, it's, like, you get, like, a course meal. So, you get, and, like, seven or eight dishes of food. And all you can drink all you for, can like, 3,000 yen. So, yeah. So, what is that in American dollars? It's, with like, the $24. It's, it's, like, $24, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, and you can just, like, down your drink, order another one right away. It might take them a couple minutes to make it, but, like, it's actually all you can drink. So, so okay, so Vegas is all about your social economic like position, right? When I lived in Vegas, I was like a poor kid. Now I wasn't. I mean, like my family was poor, but I had like a full time job while going to university, and like my bills weren't that expensive. So all of my excess money didn't go to savings and went to booze. So and like we did it right, like we because in America, like we never do this in Japan. Seriously, I'm not being sarcastic. We never do this in Japan, but in America, like you drink and drive. Well, at that time, you drink drink and driving was like par for the course. We're talking like 25 years ago, but like now everybody Ubers and Lyfts, which is cool. So, I mean, it's way more responsible, but at that time we were all maniacs. And so we'd go to like TGI Fridays for like their happy hour special that started, I think at like 10 PM from like 10 to midnight and just get sloshed, like eat all the fucking junk food, drink all the stupid drinks for like half off or even less than half off or something like that. Sometimes like Vegas would have deals where you just pay for the tip and they give you the booze for free. Uh, and like when I worked for uh, Cirque du Soleil, I had a Mirage uh, Resort ID as a uh, as a staff and this place called Ellis Island. I don't know if they're still open or if they still do this, but it, if you, it was like in the middle of the ghetto. You almost get shot going in there. But like if you got in, like you just show your ID and you could drink for free. All you have to do is pay tip. You could order anything you wanted. So anyway, we would just get fucked up at these cheap places and then go to the club. Via car, by the way, it was the most ridiculous, irresponsible thing in the world. But we, this I is, can't the, imagine that. this was, no, this was how, and we'd rock, paper, scissors to see who would drive. This is how ridiculous we were. Okay. And we'd go to the club and then we'd maybe have a couple shots in the club, you know, so we'd spend like, I don't know if there's a cover charge, we wouldn't go there. We'd get in with our friends or whatever. And then we get in the club and then we drink maybe two or three shots to keep it going and just have fun and then somehow get home. I can't imagine that. Like, especially in uh, like compared to Japan, the the laws are so strict. If you ever come to Japan and you think it's like America, you can just have a beer mm, and then drive after mm. it. It's no. zero tolerance in so, Japan. But, but that, that's the good thing about Japan is that yeah. in in America you have to figure out if you're good enough to drive. Right. I mean, dude, bars have parking lots. That's ridiculous. <laughs> what, what what are they doing, right? Yeah. So you know, in Japan, it's like one drink. You're like, I am so careful in Japan, especially now that I actually have responsibilities and I'm like an adult yeah. and I understand danger now because when I was a kid, I was absolutely ridiculous. I was absolutely out of control when I was a college student. But anyway, now that I understand that like I have responsibilities and like I, you know, I, I you know, I have to take care of myself and the people around me. Like I don't even drink the night before if I have to drive the next morning. Like, like, because that's how strict they are here in Japan. If it's yeah. even like a bit that's like, like you're hung over the next day, you can't drive. So, but getting back to one of the things that I want to open today's show with is, uh, I want to talk about, I, I'm not going to get super into the Texas shooting. Okay. I'm not going to get into that, but I want to talk about something that's related to that. And I want to give our viewers a little bit. This is the first time I've ever come out publicly about this, but I want to talk about something. One of the reasons, the reason why I actually came to Japan in the beginning. Uh, well, I came to Japan as an ALT, um, you know, many years ago. But then after that, you know, I decided to live here full time. There was a, there was a there was a a, a a catalyst for that. There was a thing that happened. The reason why I came here, um, and I don't talk about this because usually what I do is I tell people oh, I came as an ALT and I wanted to reform the the education system, so I you know opened my own school. And it's a very great narrative, but there's a little bit of that's that's edited out of that narrative. And the reality is, is that when I was in after being an ALT, I actually went home to Vegas for a little while, 
And um, I don't, I don't really, tr I try not to talk too much about my family uh, because me and my family, not super great terms a lot of the times, but let's just say one of my brothers is not on the, not usually on the right side of the law. Okay. He's got some felony charges and he's been to prison and he's, let's just, he's, he's Cain and I'm Abel. I don't, I'm not trying to paint myself in a great light or anything, but that's our relationship. Like from, he, he rolled a chaotic evil character. Yeah. He's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to call anybody evil, but he has definitely, you know, struggled with substance abuse and various things in his life uh, that I never experienced luckily mm. um, because I chose mostly chose not to. Um, and the two of us are just oil and water and completely like absolute polar opposites. Like he doesn't even look like me. You've seen pictures of him. He's a scary dude. Yeah. He's scary. Doesn't even look like me. And so when I was in Vegas, I came home. So I, I left my house here in, in Japan and I went back to Vegas and that's when 2008 happened uh, in, Japan, in Japanese. We call it Demon Shoku, but it's uh, the, 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 the great recession, right? Uh, you know, one of those once in a lifetime things that only happen all the time in our lives now. Which one of those? <laughs> <laughs> We've had too many recently. And so I went home because my plan was to go home and go to grad school. Okay. Um, and then I went home and what happened was is because of the fallout of the economy and everything, my liquidity quickly uh, dried up because at the time I was like 23 and I was an idiot and I didn't understand money. And I was just like, you know, just being, having fun. And I figured I'd go home for a month or two to my mom's house, which is by the way, Sorry, mom. Your my mom's house is a chaotic, chaotic evil. What did you call it? What did she roll for her house? Like Cha fucking horrible. It's a it's a cesspool of of just bad things. And I figured I'd like gum on tolerate that for like two or three months. Get myself a job because Vegas is like at that time they were just like rolling in cash. Like you could get a job. Like I worked for Cirque du Soleil before that. Just get a job, get a lot of cash. You know, just do whatever you want. That's that was my plan. I went home and then like right 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 as like we were like ready to leave Japan. It's like when the market fell out. And like all the bad things were happening anyway. So I go home and I'm like, oh shit, I guess I'm going to have to be here in this, in this shitty house with my, my crazy brother. Who's, you know, just doing all the illegal things for longer than I wanted to be while that was happening, you know, cause he's a junkie. Um, junkies, when they get arrested, they rat each other out all the time. And because my brother is a, <clears throat> is an ex felon with a, with a weapons charge. Okay. Um, after nine 11, there was this thing that all the conservatives who are super smart and great people, and I love them so much and they love America so much. They passed this thing called the Patriot act. You were probably four years old when this happened, but basically they, they made all the, I mean, some of the things that they did in the Patriot act, I'm not going to shit on the entire bill. Some of the things that made sense, like, you know, they consolidated some of the, the, um, uh, authorities and things like that. It also, they also made the Homeland security department, all this other crap. Some of that meant something, a lot of it was theater, but one of the things that it, the, one of the repercussions of the Patriot act is that they armed American police to the fucking teeth. Back in the day, police officers used to be kind of friendly. They used to like try to help you. I mean, assuming that you weren't certain minorities in certain parts of the, of the country. I mean, you know, the police, the, the, the image of the friendly police officer actually did exist before in some parts, right? After the Patriot Act, you'd see photos of, of American police like, you know, they have like their armored vehicles and they'd line them up with their cars and get all their guns out and take group photos. Like they became like, I don't know. They just became like these, like almost like soldiers for hire. But the thing about American police is one, there's no training for them. I think they're trained for like a day and a half and then they're just like given a gun and put out on the streets. I think it's actually like a couple of months or something. No, like that. it's like a couple of weeks. It's like, it's the lowest in like, I think in the G eight or something like that. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And it's also varied by, by jurisdiction. 
so that's so the training is absolutely garbage and not there two they their their department depends on where you are i mean there's like a, i think there's something like some two or three thousand departments across the, the country so i don't want to shit on all american police there are like some good departments out there that are trying their best and they're good people but for the most part you know they're given too much power too many weapons and no accountability so corruption right it's like if you have a wet room that's kind of warm and you leave it like that for a while and you come back and it's like moldy and smelly you're not surprised right yeah you're like oh right it's yeah. the same thing with the american police you, you've given them all the, the 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 reasons to be corrupt and so they're corrupt and then finally like i said like they because of 9-11 because of like the atmosphere after after 9-11 they basically like police officers had this attitude where it's like i'm gonna shoot before i ask anything I'm going to defend myself at all all costs and fuck the public, basically. So in that mist, uh, the Las Vegas police are no no exception to this. And uh, you know, for the most part, if if you're a tourist and you're you you're doing the right, you're not fucking around, you're not being stupid, and you're in Vegas, for the most part, they'll leave you alone. You leave them alone, whatever. Some of them are friendly, uh, but but the ones that came, so so I got swatted. My my mom's house got swatted. Not once, not twice, three times. Right, like there you have so many times where you're a gun is pointed at, like we're talking like a like a assault rifle right. is pointed at your fucking neck on your while you're on the ground there's only so many times that you can do that without being psychologically damaged so i had super ptsd from being swatted swatted guys three times and i just i just remember one day i was just like nope nope not gonna do it anymore I'm, I'm done with the violence i'm done with the guns i'm done with the bullshit all this crap that's happening in america that i don't want to deal with especially during the recession which was really bad and now that we have all the inflation and coming out of the pandemic america's it's kind of the same situation and i just nope the fuck out i got on a plane i didn't tell anybody i just got on a plane and just came back to japan and i was just like fuck all your shit and i didn't go home for i think six years to visit anybody i was just like fuck that and i lived here and I got to tell you guys, everybody li- listening to this podcast, I got to tell you, Japan is what has, I don't want to say fixed me because I don't think there was anything wrong with me, but it, it was my healing place. You know, I was playing Zelda the other day. I don't mean to, like, to compare myself to Zelda, but I was playing Zelda the other day and like in Zelda on the Breath of the Wild, there's like onsen ponds that you can go into and it regenerates your hearts. That was like Japan for me. Like I got broken in America and I had to come here to heal. And so, and then while you're here and you're like, you're living in a society that actually takes care of each other, that actually loves each other, that actually, you know, the politicians want to look out for, I mean, they have their fuddy duddy old school views of, of, you know, things and whatever, but they want to take care of the, the population here, you know, like it's, you know, they're trying to look out for themselves. Right. And the, the population are all very friendly people. They're not constantly thinking that people are out to get them and all this other crap. You know, it's a very... I don't know. It's just like a, it's, it's a peaceful place that you can heal here. And so that's why, you know, when I always tell people like, you know, we, on this show, we make fun of Japan. We kind of bitch about things, but it's always like, like we're making fun of the decorations at a party. We're not talking about school shootings. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a world of difference. Yeah. I mean, there are obviously things to complain about. Japan's not perfect, but um, and my situation was not nearly as bad as yours, but it was a similar situation where I, I lived in Japan for a few years. I went back to Hawaii for a year and I saw a graph, by the way, about mass shootings in America and Hawaii was like the only one that was like zero or close to zero or something like that. Yeah. I was like, if I ever go back to America, I'm moving there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, we, we didn't have any problems like that when I lived in Hawaii, but I don't know, like. There are still problems, obviously, yeah. like not just uh, guns, but also like drugs and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, 
Japan is a lot better in, the, in that sense. It, it feels like a safer place to be. Like I feel safe here. I, I never, you know, that feeling, you know, I, I forget it until I go home. That feeling when you're, when you're in a situation and there's other adult males around you and you have to be conscientious of what they're doing mm. because they might be a threat to you. That never, ever, ever happens to me here. I never have to think about that. That little low key stress that you're always feeling in a public situation in America because you don't know if that guy's going to come over and mug you or fuck with you or something like that. That never, ever happens here. I mean, the, the, the only thing that ever happens here is you see crazy people sometimes on the subway or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I've run into a couple of crazy people, but, well, but you attract them now. <laughs> I don't know. You, they like you, but like, I do know what you're talking about though. That, that feeling though, like when I'm walking home, uh, in the middle of the night, you know, if I see another person, I'm not like afraid. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, even if it is another adult male, I'm not like worried that they're going to like try to mug me or, you know, and there's like, okay. So if you're in like, like the bad part of Los Angeles, for example, and you see there's, there's certain, like there's certain codes that you can read, you know, certain dress, certain ways of styles of walking, yeah, the way that they walk, you know, like, like they, they're, they're kind of self-identifying. Like I'm like a hood kid that I'm going to fuck with you kind of thing. You know, like yeah. I'm, what are they? Don't step. I don't know the one lingo, but like, whatever. <laughs> In Japan, they have the same exact style of walking, the same exact style of dressing, but it's cute. You know what I mean? It's like fashion. They're just like, I saw this in a movie and I'm doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you look at it and you're just like, oh, <laughs> you guys are trying. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, ah, oh man, that's, I, so as much as I complain, because I do complain because I love this place. That's why I complain. I, I don't complain because I hate Japan. I love Japan. And I, and I just want to say that anybody who's out there, who's like feeling like America is maybe not the country for you. Japan is not a bad place to think about. <clears throat> you know, and, we, and we, the borders are opening. So the border, I will talk about it in a second, but like, you know, I don't think that the left to right divide is going to be fixed anytime soon in America, especially since like the people in power are in power because of that, you know, divide and conquer. They, they want to see both sides fighting with each other. Right. Um, and so there's not going to be a lot of common sense action happening out of that country. I don't think for maybe a couple generations, which is really sad because, you know, a strong, prosperous, righteous city on the hill. America is, you know, the future in Star Trek anyways. And that's not a bad thing in my eyes. But as the country is now, as crazy as it is, as the, you know, the, oh, after Sandy, Sandy Hook happened when I was in Japan, right? And like, if there was not going to be any gun law change there, it, you know, it, we just, we got to wait for the, these old people who cling to their guns and their warped view of Christianity. I was actually going to read a, a passage, but it's too long. I'm not going to get into it. But uh, I'll, just, I'll just tell you guys, if you guys, if you guys want to know, are the, the conservatives in America actually following the Bible? Read Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. That one passage will teach you all you need to know about the current GOP and politics in America. And you will be like, nope, nope. And it's so easily fixable. Let's talk about Japan. Gun laws in Japan. It's not illegal to have a gun here. You can totally have a gun. In fact, if you're in Hokkaido and you're living with bears, you need to have yeah. a gun. Right. There's like, I think three places, three, three animals in Japan that are dangerous. There's bears. There's uh, you know, she, what is it? Boar. Boar. And then uh, some species of monkey <laughs> that will fuck you up. Maybe like the habu. 
Oh, no, you, you can't shoot a snake. So the snakes are oh. just trapped and then um, sold to the government for, oh, I think, mean, like, dangerous and can be shot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, you need a gun for yeah. it, a rifle for it. Hokkaido is the most dangerous place, I think, in Japan. Well, because Hokkaido is basically Russia. I mean, it, it it's yeah. like, you got, like, Alaska, Hokkaido, Russia. I mean, it, it's it's like, in the gradient between Japan and mm. and russia i mean the 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 ainu are basically eskimos right you know anyway so that place you if you're not arming yourself as a as a human being you will lose to nature yeah okay so in that sense it makes sense that you need a gun and if you live in alaska and you're american you know you need you need a gun to defend yourself if you're in australia and you live in the bush in Australia, everything's trying to kill you, right? All those kangaroos. Dude, kangaroos will yeah, fuck you up, man. <laughs> You're joking, but it's <laughs> no, they're serious. No, yeah. I know. If I know. you guys have never seen the YouTube video, Google it. There's like this, there, there's like this, it's it's totally real. There's like a video of a guy saving his dog that's in a headlock. A kangaroo has this dude's dog in a headlock. Yeah. And the dude like squares off and like boxes with the kangaroo for a second. Yeah. Like kangaroos will hang out in, uh, in water. Like, yeah ponds and stuff like that because they'll wrestle you and they drown you in the water so back in the day in in like america as well and in, in australia and stuff like that they used to have kangaroo boxing where they put a human in the rink with a kangaroo like there's pictures of this <laughs> what the hell they'll fuck you up i wouldn't want to fight a kangaroo <laughs> so they'd, they'd strap like pads to like the kangaroo's paws so it couldn't scratch you and stuff like that what about but yeah. its feet no, no, no I, I don't know what they do with the feet, but the, you know, so apparently a kangaroo can like mostly stand up on its tail. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and fuck you up with its feet. Anyway. So humans are dumb. I, Jesus. You know, you look at some of the things that people did like in the 1800s and shit like that. You're like, why? They didn't have the internet. Yeah, I guess we, we just get satisfaction by looking at things on TikTok now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so gun situation in Japan. So if you want to own a gun, you can totally own a gun if you want one. Um, but you have, not only is it incredibly annoying to get one, mm-hmm. You, the, the police will just randomly come over your house and say, like, show us where it is. And like, you have to secure it in a certain way. There's all these regulations and everything. It, it, they, they've done yeah. it smart. Yeah. When was the last time you heard of a school shooting in Japan? Never, because it's never once ever fucking happened in this, in this country. The only country where it ever happens, the Onion article. Have you seen the Onion article? No. It says, no way to stop this, says con- the only country in the world where this regularly happens. Yeah. And it's the same exact article that's been published, I think, for t- like 15 years. And all they do is they change the date, the photo, and the name of this town. And they just keep republishing the same article over and over and over in The Onion. I mean, anyway. So, Australia, uh, three years before um, uh, Columbine happened, okay? Three years before Columbine happened, uh, which I was in, I was in sophomore year in high school when Columbine happened. How, how old were you? What year was that? 90, I want to say 97. Then I was five. Uh, look it up while I talk about this. Just look up the date. Columbine shooting. So three years before that in Australia, there was a mass shooting that left like 35 dead or something like that. 99. 99, okay. And so like three years, I think 96 or something like that, there was a, there was a mass shooting in, in Australia that left like something 30, something dead. And the conservative party, the conservatives in Australia changed the law and made it so... You know, a lot of regulations about the the way that the guns are sold and things like that. They did like a, a massive buyback. They they outlawed assault rifles and all this other stuff. And since then, they've never had a mass shooting again. Hmm. And there's actually this this photo that you can find. Um, I don't remember the name of the politician, but there's a guy who's giving a speech about the new gun laws to the Australians who, who were there was a lot of them who were pissed off about this regulation at the time. And you can see the outline on his suit, the Kevlar vest that he's wearing on the inside of his suit while he's giving the speech. Cause he thought that the, the, the gun rights people were going to kill him. 
That's called courage, guys. Courage. And they stopped it and they got rid of it. And there's no, there's no more, there's no more problem with it. You know, they, they solved it. It's a solvable problem. Anyway, Japan, who's never had a fetish for guns because the samurai saw guns as being what, you know, weak people use. Um, and so they never had a real fetishization of guns here. Uh, they made, you know, common sense laws after World War II. And you don't see, you don't see any violence here with guns. Now, here's, a, here's the thing, though. There's crazy people everywhere. Yeah. There's a lot of deranged, fucked up, crazy, juvenile delinquents in Japan, just like there are in America. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, um, we saw it, uh, I don't remember, maybe half a year ago, a year ago, with the, with the manga uh, company fire. Oh, yeah. The, the dude who walked in and set the place on fire killed some people. Yeah. Uh, you saw it in, I think it was Yamasaki, Nagasaki, I don't remember what it was, but there was, there was a bunch of kid, kindergartners who were waiting for a bus. Oh. And a guy showed up with a knife and slashed them and stuff like that. But the scale of destruction is always so much smaller. Yeah, because they don't have access to the easiest way to kill people, which is fucking guns. So you don't see like a Vegas shooting. I mean, the Vegas shooting, if you ever see videos of that, I don't don't watch it. But it just you're just like, oh, my God, this is happening in our society. It's just crazy levels of of violence. And you only see that level of violence when you equip the people with the tools to create the violence. We're not in a war. America is not a war. You don't need to have weapons of war. Why do you need an AR? Like, what is the purpose of having an AR other than killing a lot of people? Yeah. Like, what do you, you don't hunt with it, <laughs> right? So anyway, so common sense, like regulation is what is needed. And they've done it in this country. And thank God that they did. Because, you know, the, as crazy goes, Japan does crazy in a very special way. Like, I think, you know, there's crazy people everywhere. But Japanese crazy guys, you just, you, you're just like, you wonder how they get all those ideas from manga and, and, and anime and stuff like that. It's because they're a little, some of the guys are just a little off the, the page. <laughs> but yeah, it's totally solvable. But anyway, let's get let's get to the news. Let's talk about let's talk about some fun stuff. So, if you guys want to come hang out and be a tourist in a completely safe country that is respectful and very mature, because it's a two thousand year old country, uh, Japan is easing travel advisory for thirty six nations allows non essential trips. On the whole, the world is seeing a downward trend in the number of new infection cases and deaths, and the re- the risk of suffering severe symptoms and deaths had been seen receding. The ministry said in a press release. So, from June tenth, I believe it is. Uh, all travel to Japan is basically cool. Nice. I wasn't lying in the intro. They're actually opening the country. Yeah, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. I mean, we did talk about it before when we were talking about the uh, vaccine rollouts where once they decide to do it, they are very quick to do it, but it just takes forever for them to decide to do exactly. it. Exactly. So they decided to do it and it's happening in like two weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because like, well, I don't want to talk about my travel plans, but yeah. Um, so and then seven from U.S. Uh, land in Japan for the first test tours. Uh, so they so seven people, mostly from Hawaii, one from L.A., came to Japan uh, a couple days ago and they landed and they're doing a test tour. And, you know, they didn't need to do this. But like we were talking about with uh, Alex last show is that they're building consensus and they're just like, hey, look. Oh, guys, it's right. This is the 5 p.m. song that comes on downtown. I don't know if you can hear it. They can't hear it, so just keep going. Okay, well, it's it's go home time. Uh, relaxations have since included raising the daily arrival cap and shortening or excluding people from quarantine requirements based on certain factors, including vaccination status, uh, which is actually a little bit of out, out of date because I think from June something, they're not even going to care about your vaccination status or something like that. But uh, if you do plan to travel here, I would definitely aim for September 
or end of August, September, October area, because uh, not only if you buy your tickets now, it's going to be the, the better price, but also because like there are going to be some kinks, you know, because we haven't had tourism and it's, it's like, you know, you haven't like if you suddenly become single and you have to like get back in the dating scene, like it takes you a little while <laughs> to like get into it. God, I can't even think about that. Right now. So, so like two years of, of Japan not having a single, you know, yeah. foreign tourist, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. Yeah. But uh, along that, along those lines, Kushida says uh, foreign tourists should follow. Oh, so I love Kushida. So he goes to Italy and all these other places. Right. And he's like, like hanging out with all the people, not wearing a mask, being totally normal. Then he comes back to Japan. He's wearing a mask. And then one of the reporters is like, excuse me, Mr. Prime Minister. Why were you wearing? A, we're not wearing a mask overseas, but you wear one here. And he's like, different situation and different rules. And I was like, I love you, Japan. But I mean, I I agree with that, though, that if you are in a different country, then you should follow whatever the cultural norms are and also the laws at that time. So if Japan uh, wants to mandate, they can't really mandate, but like encourage wearing masks in uh, inside, then I think everyone should respectfully follow that. Same as like, if I go to Italy... Or if a Japanese person... So if you go to Italy, you need to talk with your hands like this the whole no. time. Dude, there was this no. video that I saw. Sorry, not to cut you off. There was this video I saw on TikTok yesterday of like these two, I think they're F1 drivers. And it just says, guess the 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 country of origin. And these two drivers like crash and like one driver's like doing like this, like the whole time, like angry. And it's like Italy. I was going to say though, uh, if a Japanese person goes to Italy, they shouldn't be slurping their their pasta. Like ramen noodles. Yeah. Uh, it's the I, same thing. I've had to teach so many Japanese people that in Japan, they, they what do you call it? They like fork they their twirl. noodles. They twirl their noodles in a spoon. Yeah. They use a spoon with one hand and a fork with the other hand and then load the spoon and then twirl around on the spoon and eat it. And I've had to tell people like, that's okay. You can do that. But if you do that in Italy, they're going to think you're a baby because only kids do that. Yeah. And they're like, what should we do? I'm like, you use the side of the plate. Yeah. You know, Americans don't get Italian food. I mean, have you, I mean... I haven't, I can't remember the last time I went to an Olive Garden, but every time I'm there, I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been to an Olive Garden. We don't have one in Maui. The only thing that but- I remember is like the waitress, by the way, Amer- okay, I'm going to credit America when, when it's, when it's, when I should. American waitresses and waiters are top notch. I love them. They're so personable. They're so fun because they're really, wa- they're trying to get those tips. Yeah. Um, and it attracts that kind of personality type. But anyway, so like Olive Garden, the only thing I remember is like they, they sign their name upside down on your table. They're like, hi, my name is Joseph, and they write it upside down for you. It's the only thing I remember. Everything else was horrible. My favorite is uh, when Conan O'Brien brought, oh, I can't remember his name, Jordan. Oh, the guy he's always fucking with? Yeah, uh, yeah. S- what's his Jordan. last name? Yeah, Jordan something. Shalansky or something like that? So, yeah, yeah. He's always shitting on him. Yeah, he brought him. He's like, I'm going to bring you to my favorite Italian restaurant, and he brings him to the Olive Garden. <laughs> it's like, oh, we'll have two Italian uh, margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to go to uh, an Olive Garden after watching that video. Yeah, I mean, okay, like as as far as like inexpensive chain goes, it's I mean it's not bad, but it's not like if, if an Italian went there, they'd be like, "What is that, dude?" There's this uh, another TikToker. I'm addicted now. I'm so addicted. There's another TikToker. It's like this American girl with her Italian, I think, boyfriend or husband, and she'll just do things to piss him off. Like, she'll be like, okay, I'm going to make pasta. And she goes and breaks all the, the noodles in half before she puts it in the pot. And the dude's like, what are you doing? <laughs> anyway, sorry. What were you talking about? You were saying something before I... I uh, no, no, I already you. finished. I was saying, like, if a Japanese person goes to Italy, oh, right. they shouldn't 
slurp their when in rome do as the romans do yeah exactly so we must we must have the oh so anyway so Kishida wants the foreign tourists should wear a mask uh when when asked to and he says we must have them follow japanese rules of wearing face masks Kishida said in a sense uh, uh, a session of house representatives blah 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 okay guys if you're a foreign tourist you come to japan wear a fucking mask not because it means anything because it doesn't but just because if you don't you're gonna be seen as like a scary bad guy you're like the villain in the movie right now anyway for when, now when you come to japan you are going to be representing your foreigners country. as a whole not necessarily your country because they probably no, won't no, know everybody's country. american haven't you yeah. noticed like you'll be representing americans <laughs> <laughs> so don't make us look bad if okay? you, it doesn't matter what race you are unless you're asian if you're a non-asian foreigner and you come to japan they're just going to assume that you're american yeah what like, part of america are you from you're like london <laughs> yeah all of our uh english uh friends they get that all the time yeah well, where in the states are you from? Uh, I'm from uh, Alex. Gets this too. He's like, I'm from. What is he from? Sh- Sheffield. Yeah. I don't know. What? Give him a fun story. You always have the fun stories. Okay. Uh, so, so Josh prints these stories for us every day. I, mean, I pick them out. He prints them, and so he like like pulls out the fun ones. He's like, you do all the serious ones. Yeah, I don't. I don't know a lot of those kind of things. So I just put it over there. <laughs> okay. uh, not a good match. Almost one in three Japanese graduates quit first job within three years. So speaking of uh, cultural norms, usually in Japan, or at least before until recently, a lot of Japanese people would join a company and they would stay in that company for their entire lives until they retire. Lifetime empo- employment. Yeah. So, but I guess recently in Japan, uh, one in three Japanese graduates are quitting their first job within the first three years. And we have a, a list of reasons for why they chose their first company after graduation, which include the... the the main reason is indefinite employment. So people who expect to work in the company until they retire. Yeah. Uh, interested in that type of work, which is weird to me that that's number two. I would think that would be the number one reason for working somewhere. Yeah. Like, number three being rewarding work. And then the lowest one is high salary, which I'm also a little surprised that that's not higher up there. Okay. Okay, so let's talk about you. Okay, we're going to talk about the context of you, and then I'm going to bring up a case of a Japanese person. Okay, so you, you went from job to job to job to job, and then you finally found this job, and you, you've been doing this job for how many months? How many months? Uh, <laughs> about 75 months, I think. <laughs> so, I mean, what, why did you anchor down? Like, what was, what? because what, like, you, you were a flag with no flagpole for a while. Well, I mean, when I lived in Hawaii, I was a student. So I just worked at like Mexican restaurants and stuff like that. The so. best kind of restaurants in America. Well, I mean, we got free food afterwards. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. Oh my God. Yeah, you can get so fat doing that. Yeah. Anyways, those jobs, like I, I worked there for like a year or two and then went to the university and then I came to Japan and then I worked a few like Eikaiwa jobs and it was just like, whatever, it's easy. Like I walked in. Like, I can speak English, and then I got those jobs. <laughs> Let's speak in my native language. <laughs> yeah, I probably was not a good teacher back then. Uh, I just figured it was, like, some easy cash. And then after I graduated from cooking school, I went back to Hawaii, and I worked at two different restaurants. One was, like, my favorite restaurant when I was, uh, like, a kid growing yeah. up in on Maui. Mm-hmm. And then after working there, I kind of realized, like, oh, this is not at, like a fine dining place than I thought it was when, when I was a kid. Uh, and dude, if you ever have a favorite restaurant, don't go in the kitchen. Yeah. That, always ruin it, it for you. It was that and also just like the ladder 
built like no you 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 have a story so there was a guy who was working there uh which story i have a few different i don't ones. know you told me about how like you were working at a restaurant and like a, another dude was oh, there oh yeah, yeah okay well like the under the chef the highest paid uh employee was this guy who he had some problems with substances i think a lot of chefs do uh mostly alcohol but anyways he was working there from the lunch shift until the dinner shift like six days a week so he was working like close to 16 hours a day yeah every single day for, and he'd been working there for something ridiculous like 10 years or something like that and I think the difference between his hourly pay and my hourly pay was only like $6 or something. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to work for 12 years and have to like give up like over 12 hours a day working at this place that like isn't as fun as I thought. Like I had to work making nothing but salads for every day for months and it was boring. Yeah. Only to like my, my goal is like, six more dollars an hour there's a there's a scene in coming to america yeah yeah uh what is that fat dude's name the comedian i forgot his name he's he's passed away uh something farley no no, no it's not, not him. him it's the other it's the guy that was like came before him that's kind of the same uh, situation but anyway so like the eddie murphy's character is like in the kitchen of like the fake mcdonald's and like the the other character who's like a veteran of the of this fake mcdonald's is like I'm on lettuce washing duty. And if you play your, what's his name? Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson. That's him. Is he passed away? Or is he still alive? <laughs> he um, might still be alive. He died this year. Okay. Oh, geez. In Vegas. Oh, wow. Ominous. Okay. Rest in peace. Scene is amazing. I've actually showed it to my staff before. Like I've I had like a, it was like a, presentation that i had on like on jobs versus careers like a long time ago and i showed that scene it's like jobs is like something that you don't love like you do it because you need to do it and you get paid for you get it. some money for it right and a career is something that you're passionate about where and i one of the things that you can you can tell if you're in a job or a career because if you're constantly looking at the clock wanting the clock to advance that's a job if you on the flip side of that if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and then you look up and you're like oh my god i only have an hour left that's a career right that's the difference between the two Anyway, I was I was giving that presentation, and then this situation with you and that that's that second in command guy is exactly that scene from from coming yeah. to America. So I quit working there because I was offered another job in Hawaii. It was at my uh, my friend from Hawaii's parents' coffee shop that they uh, opened up. I think a year earlier, mm -hmm. and at the time they were they just had coffee and they were like planning on expanding to a food menu. So they're like, Oh, Hey, if you want to like work here. And I, I was kind of like volunteering there at first, like I helped make their menu and I was working off of just tips and stuff like that. But then they offered me like a full-time position and I was working there and like, that was actually very fulfilling to me, like being yeah. able to like create my own menu and stuff like that. But there, there was some, I don't know. Interpersonal problems. Yeah. Some, some problems with working there and also me just like not really wanting to live in Maui my whole life because it, Hawaii is great, but it's, I think it's a good place to retire. Not yeah, I was, wanna... when you first started working for me, I, I always said that to you, it's like, like Hawaii is a great place to get away from your life. Yeah. It's not a place to have a life because there's nothing there and yeah. you can't go anywhere. You're yeah. stuck there. Yeah. So you're, <laughs> you're stuck there every day. feels exactly the same because it's always sunny, which is nice, but it's always sunny in Hawaii. Uh, so it, the passage of time is weird. Anyway, getting back to the career yeah, thing, why yeah. did you why did you so eventually come back I, here? I, I 
So I didn't feel like I had a great big sense of purpose doing yeah. all those jobs. And then I randomly got this job because I went to a bar with my dad and his friend who was drinking there introduced me to your VP because they were apparently looking for another lobby staff. They, we. <laughs> well, they, like the company. Uh, yeah. At the time it was the they. But okay, anyways. Okay. Um, so I like got hired as lobby staff and then you immediately like moved me to replace one of the uh, teachers. teachers who was getting married and yeah. quitting. Yeah. So I became a teacher, but I, I didn't think I was going to like work in the company for more than half a year, honestly. So why did you, why did you stick it out? Is it because of the people? Is it because of the challenges? What was the, what, what was it in for you? Cause there's, you know, I think if you have a career, yeah. there's this Japanese concept of ikigai, which means like your passion for living, your right. reason for existing, the thing that you're doing with your life. Yeah. So for me, I never wanted to be a teacher and I didn't think it was going to be like like my purpose of living is that job. But it was more about like the people. Like I was honestly, I, I talked about this with Sawa, my fiance, uh, two nights ago, that the main reason why I ended up staying in Kagoshima and in the company was because you gave me a lot of responsibilities. Yeah. It, there were a lot of things where I was like, oh, this thing needs to be done. How should I do this? And then like the general response from you and from other people is like, I don't fucking know, figure it out. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I'll just do something. And then like, if it worked, then it was like, okay, good job. If it didn't work, it's like, why didn't it work? Okay, what should you do next time? It wasn't like I didn't get chastised or anything. My, my general MO, my, my way of management is looking at somebody and going, okay, this person needs a challenge. This person can do a little bit more and pushing them. And then I give you guys freedom and I always figure you're going to fail like the first or second time. And if, if you guys, if you guys don't fail and I'm pleasantly surprised, obviously that's good, but I, I always give you guys responsibility and things to do knowing that there's a high probability that you'll fail. But then when you do fail, this comes from my EverQuest days, right? When we would do like as a raid group, we would do an encounter and then we'd fail because it's the first time encountering a raid boss or something. We'd always fail. But the question was not, are we going to win or lose? It's like when we failed, what did we learn from the failure? Like what happened in the encounter? What information did we gather? And so whenever you or anybody else in the, in the company fails, I always sit you down and go, okay, what, what, what wrong? What can we do to fix it? Can we try again? What do we need? Blah, 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 blah. That's, that's the kind of management that I do. Yeah. But going back to it, uh, I didn't think I would work at an English school for so long. And I think over the next few years, assuming we get more staff and stuff like that, I will slowly be moving away from the teaching teaching role and be doing more for like the content creation and production, then production side yeah. of things. That for me is like what I'm really interested in, but I do like the English you like job. The, you like the... Well, I like for, the kids. The kids are cute. The yeah. cutest shit. Japanese kids, uh, man, as kids go, they're probably the cutest in the world. Which, uh, never mind. Um, I was there. I saw something on TikTok. I don't want to talk about. It. It's going to depress us. But uh, the ki cutest kids in the world, and uh, the adult students, because you also do some of the adult classes. Or some that you do the adult classes. The the information that you get from the adults is actually really interesting. You get this like insider view to the Japanese fabric of society. So it's. I mean, it's it's fun. But yeah, in the future, as as we get more staff, you're going to be moving into more and more difficult things. But yeah. Um, and also as a young company, like, I mean, the gap between our age is like not that big considered to like, if you worked for like a big corporation, the boss is like 70. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't feel like an old company where like, I wouldn't have any ch like possibility of changing things. Yeah. Cause the one thing I do like about, uh, Stapleton is, and which became story studios, our media company is like when I had an interest in something, it 
turned into a part of the company. Whenever, whenever my staff come to me and they're like, I have an idea and I want to try this thing. If it doesn't make any sense, I'll, I'll poo poo it. But if it's like, oh, that's kind of it. And I'm pretty easy going. So it's like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Like, why don't you try that? And I'm totally cool with it. And I'll put money behind it. You know, we'll, we'll support it. And if it works out, it works out. And then a lot of those things do work out. But anyway, um, I wanted to ask our viewers, you guys at home, because I, I do like comments from you guys, especially on the YouTube channel. Do you love your job? Why do you love it? Why did you choose to stay there? And if you hate your job, why do you hate it? And what would you prefer to do? And especially if you live in Japan or if you don't live in Japan, whatever. Uh, I'd like to know, like, what do you guys do for careers? Because I don't think I've had a report to work job. I mean, like, obviously, when I work for TV and I do radio, I have to report for work. But it's still like my choice to do that. Those are like hobbies. My main career is like, you know me. If I don't want to go to work, I don't go to work. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm not coming in today. But uh, if you guys like, you know, tell, tell, tell us about your career. I want to know like what people around the world are doing. But anyway, let me talk about an uh, encounter that I had last night that has to do with this. So I was in a bar. Of course I was. And there was a coal mean. What is that in English? Public. Public worker. Worker. Okay. And a young kid. He's like 20. Shin Jean. What's that? New face. New guy. Green. Fresh meat. What do you call him? Newbie? Newbie. <laughs> And the public worker is from Kensho, the prefectural office. And then the young guy is working for Asahi, the alcohol company. Okay. I hate Japanese public workers with a passion. I shouldn't say I hate the public workers. I hate their attitudes. Anyway, so this guy and I introduced myself to the guy and he's like, where, I'm like where do you, what do you do? He's like, I work for the prefecture. I was like, oh yeah, what, do you, where, what department do you work in? And he's like, I work on the seventh floor. I'm like, that's, what the fuck are you saying to me, asshole? <laughs> yeah, what is the seventh floor? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I go to Kensho when I have to. I hate that building, right? And I was just like, what? I'm sorry, like, what do you do on the seventh floor? And he just looked at me and he's like, I'm not going to tell you because I don't want you to know. And I'm like, motherfucker, I pay more in taxes than your whole fucking family. I am funding your career. If I ask you what you do, what the hell? I mean, if he just said, hey, I'm out drinking. I don't want to talk about work. Just, yeah. you know, I'd be like, ah, oh, dude, sorry. But he arrogantly, we cut it to nuts, you know, uh, condescendingly mm. said to me, like, I don't, I'm not going to tell you that information. And I was like, well, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Contrast that with the kid who's working for a company like in the private sector. Dude must have bowed 75 times on his way out when he said goodbye. Gave everybody his mace. He told everybody because he just came here from, I don't know, Yamanashi or something like that. 20-year-old kid. And he's just like, you know, Kagoshi is my new home. Everybody, Yoroshiku Nagashima, super like, what do you say? Koshikuite, humble. Very humble, very just good kid. And I was just like, oh my God, you fucking public worker. Because the public workers don't do shit. They just show up to work, collect their salary, pretend to work hard. Not all of them, but most of them. And then they just go home. Whereas the young kid, if he doesn't fight for his job, he's going to lose it or, you know, not go up the ladder. And that, that's one of the big things that I think that is in this as well. It's like, if you are passionate about what you're doing and you're fighting and you have growth to move up, then you'll stay in the company. If it's just like slogging along and doing the same thing every day, some people do like the repetition of doing the same thing all the time. Well, I think going back to it, it is about the sense of purpose though. Like mm. if you're doing the same thing every day, but you have a sense of purpose and fulfillment from that and like ikigai yeah like even for me like i don't want to be a, a teacher for forever but i think that it is important for those that are actually like interested in education and want to teach every day to become the english teachers in japan like like, by the way, if you're out there, if you're like a, a passionate elementary school teacher that are sick of the gun violence in America and you want to move to Japan, email me your resume. I'm dead serious. 
it's mitch at stapleton.me email me your resume if you're an elementary school teacher okay you have any level of experience and you're sick and tired of living in america or canada or wherever the fuck your english-speaking country you're in email me your resume and you actually love teaching yeah you need to love teaching you need to love kids um but anyway, one of the things about being an ACOS teacher that I do want to, because, uh, you know, a lot of times when you're online, especially the Reddit forums and stuff like that, they shit on ACOS teachers. One of the things that I want to say ACOS teachers are, uh, especially if you're in our position where you're actually making a difference and you're not some bullshit Nova or whatever, um, you get to see the same kid for half their childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to see him from baby all the way up to like, you know, like sixth grade or seventh grade or something like that. In my case, I got to see a fourth grader all the way up until her second year of university. And like the two of us went out and had a drink together. And I was just like, she used to be this tiny little girl who used to read. um, I forgot the name of the book, but like uh, one of those like farty jokey, like little kid books. We used to like, you know, joke about that kind of stuff when she was like in fourth grade. And then like, I got to like come pie with her. You know, with Kyoka, my VP, like the three of us went out for drinks. And, and that's just like, just see this, this trajectory of this girl. Yeah. That's only a can really do that. Yeah. Or I, other, other, you know, like Japanese dance or whatever, like whatever club extra things. curricular yeah. after yeah. school programs. But yeah. yeah, that, that is the most uh, fulfilling part of the job, I think. Like, it's really interesting because like in our, our, our school, especially we take a lot of video. Yeah. So we are super video centric. We recently, like recently I went through a lot of old videos and stuff like that. And I found uh, old interviews of students from, I think five or six years ago. And there are a few kids that like, they were brand new. So like, I would say like, how are you? And they were just like, huh? (laughs) And then like, the next day they came into the, into our, our Eikaiwa, the school. And then we're just having like a normal conversation. And I'm just like, man, like I saw this kid grow up and with the tiny, small passage of time every day that you, you don't see the, the growth because you're seeing yeah. them all the time. But it, when you're reminded by media, that's why I always want to take so much media of the kids, especially the kids, you know, and like we do a Christmas, uh, we haven't been able to do two years, but we'll do it this year for sure. But we do this Christmas party every single year. It's like a wedding, you know, it's yeah. like 150 people. It's huge. It costs thousands of dollars. Santa shows up and everything, but we've always video recorded this, this event for, you know, the better part of 10 years, 10 plus years. And what we've recently been doing because we have the technology to do it because we have a production company now whoo, whoo, is we've been doing an end roll mm. where we, if you're the one that makes it, don't own me. <laughs> well, like, it is end roll a thing that uh, Americans do? I don't know. Maybe I explain what it is. Cause so that's what I'm going to do. So right. basically what we do is we preload like over the years, various Christmas video, Christmas party videos. It's like basically a 10 minute video and we do about three or four minutes of, of previous Christmas videos. And then because we have a cameraman that's going around in the event, taking video and handing, we're swapping out SD cards. You have trauma over this, uh, <laughs> swapping out SD cards. Uh, we were ingesting the footage like on the fly and making a video of the event to play at the end of the event. So the, at the end of the event, we say thank you to everybody and then we, the lights go down and then on the big proje- projection screen, we, have, we uh, play like you know, Merry Christmas songs, we show the past events and then we show the current day where some of the students who have been coming to the Christmas party for like 10 years, you can see them as a baby and getting older and older and older. 
And then you see another additional like six or seven minutes of the uh, of that day's events and all you get everybody's face. We try to get everybody's face on, on screen. And so everybody's looking and they're like, oh, that did happen today. And everybody's a little bit drunk and like the kids are just watching it. And then you then there's like, you know, like a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and see you guys next year kind of thing. And then the, all the teacher, you know, it's like the it's like and there's like a, a little bit of credit sometimes, you know, especially it's a wedding. You have all the participants, their names in it mm-hmm. for the Christmas party. We have all the participants names in it that scroll up it's like thank you for coming and it's just no i i cry every time yeah honestly. it's I emotional and so because not only is it like a huge event that like you know it takes months of planning and like it takes a lot of effort we don't even have chairs like there's not enough room in the place that we do it in that like the the, the staff don't even sit down we're just standing the whole time yeah, i'm standing and editing the video the whole time yeah and then like <laughs> We, we can't eat so we have to even though it's amazing food we don't, we don't we can't sit down and eat so we have to eat before we we hire uh, a friend of ours a chef that cooks turkeys for us because turkeys are not commonly found in japan yeah and the ovens to cook them are also not commonly yeah. found in japan oh yeah ovens in japan are tiny they're, they're little microwaves, microwaves. <laughs> they're microwaves with the heating elements in them yeah i hate it japanese ovens anyway um and so yeah so we have the event we play the play the video and then you know we say thank you everybody on the microphone it's like the big the big event everybody's teary-eyed and then the teacher stand in the entrance and, and tell everybody happy new year merry christmas and then on the way out and then after that the staff just go <sighs> because it's like the end of the year it's the last thing that we do in the year mm-hmm. and then after that we have two weeks of vacation and we just after that like everybody because we're all dressed up and we're all a little bit stress relieved because the big event is over and then after that everybody's like is there an eg guys there's second party and we're like no go home <laughs> we love you guys but come on like we, we we need to clean up and stuff like that and then after everything's done me and the teachers we go out to the downtown area in Temonka and just get fucking blitzed everybody just gets blitzed and we talk about the year and like you know it's it's magic this year if we're if we're actually having a party this year then you're gonna have to let me know when it is because i'm going back to hawaii for my wedding well it'll be in december you have to go back like the day after or something like that but well well we have to first of all we're doing summer camp supposedly yeah like so but anyways getting back to the article (laughs) after a long tangent so anyway guys uh, what i want to say is like tell me about your careers like i i I don't know i I don't really understand how it is to have a career anymore because like i I haven't had a real job forever i mean Mm. do you feel like your job's a real job no, like I, I was actually uh, talking about this with Sawa, Sawa two, your fiance. my fiance two days ago. And like, she, she just asked me like, cause I was a little quiet. She's like, are you okay? And I was like, oh yeah, I was just thinking about some work stuff. She's like, oh, tell me about it. And I just went on this like 20 minute, not really like rant. It was like a negative thing. It was a positive thing. Like I was talking about all the things that I really want to do at work and how I just feel like I don't have enough time in a day. Like I, like I really want to do all these things. Like I want to do more for the production side. I want to try these new things. I want to make these new shows. I want to do these things. And it's just exciting for me. And then she looked at me afterward and she's like, damn, like, I don't feel like that about work at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm waiting to, like, oh, man. That's the difference between hour. a career and a yeah. job. It really is. Uh, I think Chris Rock talked about this in a stand-up as, as well. But anyway, yeah, it's it's a difference. Let me get to a serious story. And then wait, you wait, wait, let me, I didn't finish oh, okay, the article. Sorry. So the reasons for li- uh, leaving the company, oh. uh, going back to it. So almost one in three Japanese graduates quit first job within three years. The main reasons why people quit within the first three years is number one, job not a good match. Uh, but you know that's such a Japanese thing to say. Like a shigoto awanai, it's like yeah. it just means so, ao. The kanji means match, 
And so like, you can say like, it's like, I don't, I'm not a good fit with we're that person. A, we're not compatible. We're not compatible. Of. It, but mm, okay. Sorry. Mm, it's not really, it's yeah, kind of yeah. a cop out answer. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a cop out answer. The second one is working hours and leave conditions. So I think that just goes back to the kind of poor Japanese work culture that they have where they prioritize the long hours, how many hours you work more Which than is so how silly. productive you are. It's so silly. It's like, oh, he went home after the boss went home. He's a good worker. I'm like, and he didn't do shit all day. Yeah, he was looking at random articles online for the last three hours. Are you but, talking about me? What? <laughs> <laughs> and number three was salary conditions, which I found kind of funny because the lowest reason for joining the company uh, was salary. So one of the main reasons I think people realize that like salary actually is important. Yeah. Like yeah yeah so this is i think this study is about the actual full-time normal like like office people like people not not like baito not uh part-time jobs and stuff like yeah. that um and so a lot of career people i think they sign up for the dream of the the company especially in japan and then they realize that they're just a cog in a giant machine like oh, i'm gonna join i don't know xyz company and i'm gonna make a difference and then they get in there like fold these papers for six hours yeah i mean like working at a big company versus a small company. There are benefits to both, but definitely working in a small company like Stapleton Aikawa, like my voice actually does matter and it is fun. It is also a little bit scary when there are big problems that are affecting the world like right now, but it is also like we're a big family. Well, I mean, okay. So beginning the pandemic happened two years ago. Okay. Like I remember it clearly like uh, Abe shut down the schools in March of, of 2020. And it's like the set that news broke to me and Kyoko, my VP before it broke on, on the, cause it was all over Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's like, Abe's going to announce this. And so what, so if we're in a big company, we're just like, okay, well, let's just wait for the news and then we'll think about it. But me and Kyoko were like, shit, you know, they close the school. I mean, we're a school. What was going to happen to us? So yeah. the two of us had three hours to figure out a response and we had published to all of our students a full plan before Abe went in and did his speech. Like, and so all the parents were, a lot of them were unaware what was happening at all in mm-hmm. the world, had gotten their first information from us. And they, from that point forward, we kind of established ourselves as being the point of information that the, the parents could trust. And we were very honest with them about the whole thing that everything was happening. And so that only happens in a small company because what you basically, if the kids stopped coming, we were all fucked. Yeah. You know, and so we needed to make it safe for them, but we needed to make it. And then also we, we, we figured out, if they shut down the schools and what, what's going to happen to the kids with the parents work. Right. And so that, that's what we did. We, we said, okay, we're going to open all day and we're going to do these procedures to make it really safe. Cause like we're unlike a school, we're staffed and we have the facilities to actually make a safe environment for the kids and actually enforce it. You know, schools, there's too many kids. The teachers kid ratios is out of control. So they can't actually enforce it. But anyway, and yeah, that, that happened because you know, we're a small company and we had to be like, okay, we're either going to swim or sink, you know? Yeah. Uh, let's get into something serious. Uh, the Japan's weaker yen, a blessing to some, burden for others. As someone who's going to travel out of the country soon, <laughs> this is a burden. <laughs> the yen's value against the U.S. dollar and other currencies has fallen mainly because the interest rates remain ultra low in Japan, but are rising in the U.S. and other countries. So Japan, who has seen price prices barely inch up for many years or even drop due to deflation, or, or are doubly feeling the ripple effects of rising global inflation. And I want to talk about this because this is really funny. The price of the popular umayibo. Why is this the metric for inflation in Japan? The price of the popular umayibo or yummy stick snack bars recently increased for the first time in 42 years from 10 yen to 12 yen. Outrageous. Can't believe it. Thanks, Biden. 
Jeez. Do you have a favorite uh, yummy stick flavor? No, I don't eat any of that crap. <laughs> I don't eat snack food. When people are like, you know, they, there's like a... I hope that one day you sponsor our show. It's like, a, I think it's called like boxy or something like that. It's like this little box you get from Japan with all these oh, like yeah, yeah, snacks yeah, I saw in that. it. It's pretty cool. I always look at that. And I'm like, why would anybody buy that? I don't eat what? snacks. Yeah. Well, I I think all those snacks are really good. Okay. Speaking of, uh, not really snacks, but shopping, a grocery retailer. Uh, so this is a, a interesting story for, because of the aging population here in Japan. So let me ask you a question, Josh, when you go to a supermarket, Yes. They have the self-checkout lane and then they have like the person working their lane. Which one do you use? I usually use the person in the lane. I never use self-checkout. Never, yeah. ever, ever. I'm like, why? There's a person to do this for me. Yeah. But a lot of people swear by the self-checkout. The only self-checkout that I've ever used was at, uh, it was some clothing store like GU or Uniqlo or something like that. Did you just throw it in there yeah. and they have the RF tags? Yeah, you have the basket and you put it in the box and they're like, these are your items. And then you're just done. RF tags. Yeah. Which is mm, kind of an e-waste problem, but whatever. It is cool. It is cool, oh. but yeah. Anyway, okay. So, so this grocery retailer in Japan is slowing down. Okay. So it says a grocery as grocery re- retailers chase speed and efficiently efficiency through technology, a few are bucking the trend by launching slow lanes for those who are not capable of blitzing through a self checkout. Recently, eighty-four-year-old wheelchair user Yuriko whatever you you do go <clears throat> with the help of a volunteer uh, carer is that a word carer made a trip to the to the mia taki awa outlet in iwate prefecture where she can where she can have an enjoyable shopping experience free of confusion and embarrassment as a person with dementia the last thing uh you recall uh i cannot read japanese words in english uh, uh needs is pressure from a queue of impatient toe tappers behind her. Fortunately, uh, she is able to take as much time as she wants during her transaction as a, in a dedicated slow checkout lane. I thought that was cool for two reasons. One, I get annoyed when there's old people in front of me to take forever. I'm like, I mean, I shouldn't, they're, they're cute. But but you do as a human, like, like the other day, I uh, I was in a rush, so I was like, I don't have enough time to go to a uh, local supermarket to grab my lunch, so I just ran to McDonald's cause next to our building. Was this the day that you ate a double cheeseburger and like 15 chicken McNuggets, yeah, and did. you told all the kids that you're full on McDonald's all day <laughs> yeah, long? Yeah. It, Jesus. It hurt. Anyways, I got in line. There, I was like, there's no line. Oh, okay, that's good. There was only one register open, and there was like an old lady there. And she spent literally 10 minutes ordering and she only ordered a drink. Use the app, dude. Well, I mean, there was, yeah, I should have done dude, that. Dude, the app is great. I, I'll walk out of the school while ordering on my app and just like scan my face and then I walk in and my shit's ready. Yeah, I should have done that. Except that one time McDonald's where you made my iced coffee and you set it on the counter and you completely forgot about me. And I was just standing there for 15 minutes looking at my iced coffee. And then somebody like looks at the order and like, oh shit, we didn't make this order. And you made another iced coffee and gave it to me. What? Whatever. One, one time out of a million, it's fine. Go to a fun story. So speaking of spending money, how much money would you spend to become a dog? None. Is this a furry story? I don't know. Do you get furries? I don't get I furries. I don't get furries either, but whatever to use their own. No, no, no. Like, I have, if you are a furry and, and are willing to be interviewed on the show, I have some questions. Like mechanical questions. Like, I don't know how it works. I don't get it. Anyway, sorry. It's probably like those pajamas where they have like a, a flop to use the toilet. 
If that's a mechanical question, you're thinking. Anyways, <laughs> Japanese man spends $15,700 on dog costume to fulfill lifelong dream. Why is it a lifelong dream <laughs> of transforming into an animal? These are the problems we have in Japan, guys. This is, this is why I live here. I love this place. To fulfill his lifelong dream of transforming into an animal, a Japanese man spent 2 million yen on a, a realistic two border. 2 million, so that's like 17,000 no, US dollars. 15,700. Oh, I forgot how is. weak the fucking yen is now. Yeah. On a realistic border collie costume. So I will put a picture in the video version right now. And it is, you mentioned Uncanny Valley. It's, it's, it's so realistic. I want to see it moving. I don't. I do. <laughs> uh, it's really weird. But anyways, the uh, Azepit employee, so I think that's the people who made this costume, said that creating the costume was difficult as it required a significant amount of time to study how the dog's figure can correspond with a human figure. So if you think about like the dog's shape as it's like laying down, how you can fit in that comfortably. <laughs> I want to know if this is like for sexual reasons. No, that's that's what I'm talking about. Like, what is he doing with this suit? Is he just like hanging out? Like, does he have somebody like pulling on him with a leash? Oh, pulling on them. There's yeah. so many questions. I have so many questions. Have you ever seen the old Japanese commercial? Uh, and it has like a border collie. Maybe that's where he got his lifelong dream. Lassie? From. No, no, no. There, it's a Japanese commercial for uh, potato chips. And it's like, konzume, konzume, konzume panchi. And there's like a dog, a border collie that's like dancing and stuff. No? I'm no. going to look for it. If I find it, I'm going to put it a in, link for it. In. Put, yeah, put it a link in the description. I've never... I don't watch TV. I Every time I watch TV in Japan, I regret it. I'm like, why? Why am I doing this? Although... I, I found the commercial. Okay. So... Okay, so you're showing me this commercial. So please describe what's happening. Oh, I have seen this. This, this is uncanny valley as shit. It's, is that a border collie? It, it's not, but... Yeah, I've, it, seen, I've seen this. So it's like a little boy that's like upset and this guy in a dog costume is like trying to be funny for, for it's quite disturbing yeah it's very disturbing it's but quite disturbing. Like, i bet you this was the inspiration for it uh there was talk on reddit about how i don't remember her character names but in space jam there's like a sexy bunny you've asked me this before and then like after looking up and saying the name like, oh josh you like the sexy bunny but anyway <laughs> it's like lola i think be because of that movie all these 90s kids who watched that movie turned into furries this is like a theory about this whatever if you're into it if you're into it <laughs> i don't care i'm not judging you guys don't, don't king know what, shame you don't guys, king shame dude you don't know what i'm into so i'm actually pretty normal you don't want to know I think I'm, I don't know. Everybody thinks they're normal, right? Uh, moving on from that to, oh no, if we're going to do that, then we're going to do this. Okay, here we go. Speaking of kinks. Internet uproar, AV ban, trending number one. Uh, so the Japan's uh, DPJ, it's Constitutional De Democratic Party of Japan, has proposed a ban on sexually ex explicit porn. Yeah, so AV in Japan is adult video. It's not audio video. Right, yeah. right. Okay. At a meeting of the Cabinet uh, Committee of the House of Representatives on the 25th of June, Kaname Tsutsumi. Sounded out. A member, <laughs> have to, man. a member of the House of Representatives of the Constitutional Democratic Party of Japan stated that the DPJ would aim to for a law banning por uh, pornography that uh, involves sexual acts. Senator Tsutsumi said, even if there are murder scenes in films on televisions, they only they are only acting and people are not actually killed during filming. However, 
However, how you know there's internet people like YouTubers who go however in like their videos. I'm just like it's cringy. However, we uh, have heard that sexual acts can be can actually take place on on the set. You have heard, you've heard. <laughs> well, I mean, it's all censored, so they can't. It's all speculation. It's all speculation. <laughs> Uh, pointing out that in the case there is risk of pregnancy, sexually transmitted disease, depression, and PTSD. Well, there there is one part of this article that I wanted to say something about. One sec. <laughs> I already threw it on the floor. There's one line, like I don't know if this was a translation error or what, but it said the prohibition of adult films involving sexual acts. But like, aren't all of... Oh, no, we're here. Banning pornography that involves sexual acts. I, like, I read that, yeah. Yeah, what kind of pornography doesn't include like, sexual acts? you know, they have like the softcore stuff, which is a girl. But isn't that also... Oh, so by sexual act, they mean like hardcore... Doing like, it. Okay, okay. Makes sense. We're doing all the words that are getting us defunded by YouTube. Um, Demonetized by YouTube. Uh, the So there's like, you know, there's like... What is it called? Gar... I always forget the word. It's like a French word. Nantuka aidoru. It's like garu garu something. Garud sandstorm. No. It's a G word. I always forget it. But anyway, it's basically like softcore porn for like otaku. It's like grave something. Grave robbing. No, that's not it. Oh god, no. <laughs> grav 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 gravier. Gravier or something know. like that. Gravier idol or something like that. Anyway, and so like it's like these they basically take let's just call them well-endowed women to like third world Asian countries. I don't know why they always do this. And then they film them in like a hotel, like in wet bikinis and stuff. There's no sex and there's no nudity. Okay. And like, this is a super popular like form of porn. Whatever. Don't kink shame. I'm not kink shame, but still. So that would be legal under this overstep of government authority bill that they want to pass. It's never going to get passed by the way. But that would be okay. But actual the hardcore stuff would be banned, which is weird. Cause I think that the country should go the other direction. I think the censoring Double thing, down? I think the censoring thing is just stupid at this point. I don't understand the purpose. Yeah. Like with the internet, the only, the only thing that's happening is like, you know, people who are searching for that kind of stuff are just looking at other countries stuff, not Japanese stuff. There is like a reason or a law for it. No, there's no like, law for it. It's a gentleman's agreement. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. It's a gentleman's agreement against uh, amongst all the porn producers to do that so they don't get taken to court for indecency because there's a there's a indecency law that's never been tried in court before. So they don't want to they don't want to test it because if it if it gets like if there's precedents where like the judge rules that any form of pornography is like indecent then they fuck themselves, right? So they don't want to battle it in court. So there's like this gentleman's agreement to censor it across all the mm. companies. I, I don't know why I know this. Oh, I do know why I know this. I have a Swedish friend who knows this. And he tells, he also told me that in America, I think I've mentioned this before, like in the 80s, 70s and 80s, all the porn that had like white people in it weren't Americans. They were Swedish people because okay. like Americans wouldn't premiere in porn because they're they were worried about their family and the com- community backlash. Mm-hmm. So they hired Swedish people to do it because Swedes don't care. You know, because they're like, fuck it, we don't care. And so they'd produce porn in Sweden and then dub it with American voices and put it out in America. It's all dubbed? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm just thinking about how 
how awkward that job must be. You're just and like, so oh, that's yeah. why all these porn stars from like the eighties and seventies in, in American porn are like, n- number one, they're all blonde and like super white because they're all Swedish. And two, like if you, if you look at it, you're like, yeah, that's kind of not America. That's like a kind of slightly European setting because huh. it's all Swedish people. Well, anyways, speaking of melons, uh, pair of, <laughs> <laughs> pair of Hokkaido melons fetched 3 million yen at year's first auction. We're talking about the actual fruits. Yes. From Ho- Hokkaido. Mm. Have you ever had any Hokkaido melon? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fruit, not the... <laughs> uh, I don't really eat sweet fruit, so no. It's really good. I've really? Had it before. Yeah, I, is, I, it, I, is it a honeydew melon? What is it? They have both. Okay. But anyways... Uh, so a pair of melons in Hokkaido fetched three Why million yen. <laughs> I don't know, but it makes it funny. <laughs> okay. Uh, three million yen, which is $23,550 at this year's first auction on Thursday. So the company president said <laughs> the unique taste of the melons makes them worth the price. <laughs> I, that's crazy to me. Like, Fruit in Japan is overpriced. If you want to eat mango, like I'm from Hawaii, you, yeah. can, you can eat mango off a tree for free. I had a mango tree. <laughs> you can eat mango for like dirt cheap. Well, okay. There's only like two environments that you can grow mango in in Japan is why. Miyazaki yeah. and uh, Amami Yoshimo. Yeah, that's true. But like who's going to buy a mango for over $100? Okay. So it, there's, le- okay. So fruits in Japan, there's like three levels. Okay. There's the just in the supermarket, like not wrapped in anything like special Mm-hmm. fruits and those are like the normal consumable fruits right then there's the slightly wrapped nicely that you can give as a present fruit right and that's like basically normal fruit times three price yeah then you have like the artisan level yes. where it's like ridiculous like uh you can buy these watermelons that are called dynamite they're perfectly severe spheres they're perfect spheres and they're jet black so they look like, you know, those cartoon bombs that you mm. light a wick and they blow oh, up. Is that why it's called dynamite? That's why it's called dynamite. Oh, I see, I see. And those watermelons are all the exact same size. I think they're glo- grown in containers, so their shape gets a certain shape. And anyway, those are $120 each. Have you ever seen the cubed watermelons? Yeah, I've seen those, and they, so they don't roll, but it's kind of dumb. What you, you what you end up getting in those, I mean, it's kind of cool for novelty to, to see a cubed watermelon, because what they do is they, 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 they grow it in a glass box, basically. But um, the thing about them is the rind makes up most of the cubing part. Mm. So you just get this like crazy thick ass rind. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not it's not that great. I mean, it's cool, but. Anyways, how, how much would you pay for a pair of melons? Oh, you said you don't like melons. So I was in a bar once. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a bar once and I was with the CEO and uh, he's kind of customers that I don't want to say too much about him to, 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 to dox him. But I was with this president guy and he was kind of drunk. And he was next to this, let's say his girlfriend, girl okay. space friend. Oh, there's space. Okay. Okay. And like he drunkenly says, he says 500 CC was not enough. I should have, I should have paid for 800 CCs talking about her melons okay and i was just like and this is in front of like 20 people and i'm just and everybody just kind of like stopped talking we're just like do you never mind let's just go on that's <laughs> <laughs> just like uh, I, uh, so how much would you pay uh well what melons are we talking about but the fruit, fruit, the fruit i wouldn't buy because i don't eat sweet stuff okay but well, if then. i was giving it to something i don't know 20 bucks i don't yeah. know that sounds reasonable how much would you pay for melons? 
<laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't buy that one. Uh, okay, so here we go. Uh, Mitsubishi and Nissan to roll out small, affordable electric cars. So right now, Tesla's stock is tanking. Uh, because Elon Musk, uh, we want to call him Space Daddy. Space Daddy's had some problems recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only has Johnny Depp confirmed on... Uh, dude, I don't know if you want... Uh, so Johnny Depp sent a text to one of his friends that basically was bitching about how Elon Musk and Amber Heard was like, they're having sex. And like Her- Heard's lawyers read the entire text in court. And it's basically like an F-bomb fest talking about Elon Musk's crooked little dick and things like that. And this this lawyer reads the whole thing. You got to watch it. It's so great. And then at the end of it, he looks at Johnny Depp, who's in the desk, in the stand, right? He goes, did I read that correctly? And Johnny Depp with like a really sarcastic face goes, you certainly did. <laughs> like, well, well, he got asked that like six times. Yeah, but like after that bombshell of a text, that's like as an audience member listening to that is just hilarious. Like all the things that that lawyer had to say. And then he's like, did I read that correctly? I was like, you certainly did. Good job, fellow. <laughs> uh, why are we talking about this? Right. So Tesla, they're, 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 the stock is tanking because um, of the uh, Twitter problem that um, he might not buy Twitter for 40 whatever billion dollars. And if he doesn't, then he's got to pay Twitter a billion dollars in like as like a, I don't know, like a cancellation fee kind of thing. So we'll see what happens with that. But anyways, while that's happening, uh, his other stocks are tanking because they're worried about what's going to happen with the Twitter deal. While that's all happening, Mitsubishi and Nissan are rolling out tiny little, what we have in Japan, they're called KG Dosha. They're K cars. And it's basically 66, uh, 660 CC or less engines, uh, which are basically like, think about a, a golf cart with walls. Okay. And their top speed is like mm, 50 miles an hour. Maybe something like that. Anyway, they're really good for the environment, but if you get in an accident, you're dead. Uh, so the so these two companies, Nissan and Mitsubishi, are making those kind of KG Dosha cars, but with all electric engines. And it says uh, mini vehicle. Uh, sorry, Nissan Motor Company and Mitsubishi Motors Company uh, announced on May 20th the release of an ultra small electric vehicle this summer, which can be affordable as uh, as its gasoline uh, powered ca- counterparts. The model, based on Japan's mini vehicle standard, which is the KG Dosha thing, uh, will be available for under 1.5 million yen or $11,719 in Tokyo after the metropolitan government's 450,000 yen and central government's 550,000 yen subsidies for electric vehicle. So basically, it's a $20,000 car that you can buy for $11,000 and it's electric and it's seats four people. Mm, nice. Now I want to ask you. Yes. You're getting you're you and your you and yours are getting a new car. Yes, we are receiving a car. What kind of car is it? It is a it's a K car. Yeah. I <clears throat> I'm looking for the picture of the actual name of it. I think I found it. It's uh it's called a smile. <laughs> Japanese cars are the best. Uh <laughs> there's one that's called President. I mean it's called Presidential. I don't remember. They have the best names fit cube yeah okay here it is smile <clears throat> yeah it's a suzuki wagon r smile or something like show that. show me the picture let me see this it looks like that's uh, nice. a box type yeah it's a box type did they buy it at az yeah <laughs> 
There's a Walmart in Japan called, or in South Japan called AZ. It's from A to Z. And they have like everything a Walmart has. Plus they sell cars and you can get a haircut there. And they have like a cafeteria and they sell everything you could want. I mean, that's how they got their name. A to Z. Yep. But yeah, so we're getting in that car and it's a lot more spacious than I thought it would be. Oh no, because there's no, there's no, there's no car to it. It's yeah. just, it's just aluminum foil wrapped on a death box. Yeah. But they're great to drive because they, they're, they're so roomy. Mm-hmm. You have so much interior and space to move around so in. So much space for activities. That's a reference to a movie. Do you know what it is? Moving on. <laughs> Up to 6,100 in Tokyo predicted to die in worst case scenario. Quake scenario. Oh. So now this is good governments. This is a, this is good governments. So up to 6,100 people will die in the event of a major earthquake hits the heart of Tokyo. The metropolitan government said in a report Wednesday, revising down the estimate from around 30% from a decade ago. So oh. 30% less. So the report from the Metropolitan Government's panel of earthquake experts attributes the reduction of about 3,500 people to advances in the earthquake resistance of buildings and the greater use of non-combustible materials in their construction. Although the number of deaths have been reduced, uh, losses as many as 6,000 people must not be allowed to happen. Naoshi Hirata, Hirata, head of the panel of professor uh, at the University of Tokyo said, it is necessary to steadily advance measures. This is what I love about Japan. The government might be kind of stupid, but the scientists, the geeky people in this country are fucking top notch. They can science the fuck out of a lot of things. And the fact that you have 13 million people living in the greater Tokyo metropolitan area and they're thinking a 9.0 earthquake and that only 6,000 people are going to die, that's crazy good. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's crazy good. I always forget about how many people there are in Tokyo. 13 million, man. It's crazy. That's one little, that's one city. You know, it's, I think it's the most populous city in the world, actually. Uh, let me do, how many stories you got left? I have two more. Two more. Okay. Let me do two and then you do one. So we're going to do back-to-back. Uh, this is about the Kazu one. So sunken Hokkaido tour bus drops back into the seabed while being towed. So basically they tried to like lift it out of the ocean. It was like in a 50 meter part or something like that. And then I forgot how it was like 50 meters or something like that. And they tried to pull it out of the ocean and then it sank down to 182 meters. Oh, this is back-to-back story. So here we go. Second story. Sunken Hokkaido tourist boat raised to the surface in second salvage attempts. <laughs> So they learned. A tourist boat sank off Hokkaido last month, leaving 14 people dead and 12 missing, so 26 dead, was successfully raised to the surface Thursday after initial attempt to salvage the vessel earlier this week resulted in the sinking at greater depths. I hope that CEO goes to jail. Mm, yeah. I mean, because if you guys don't, if you didn't hear the story, he ordered the ship to go out on a tour, even though there's three meter waves. Remember, we talked about this on a previous show. If there's a three meter wave, that means it's a six meter gap between the bottom of the wave and the top of the wave. Because it goes down as well as it goes up. And so if you put a tourist boat out with six fucking meter, like that's just insanely, insanely yeah. irresponsible. And the boat driver, can, the boat operator didn't want to go, but they said go. And so 26 people dead. Yeah, you should be held responsible for that. Just go to jail. Your story. Do you like board games, Mitch? I can't remember the last time I played a board game. I love board games. I know you do. I have board game nights regularly nowadays. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Anyways, new board game hotel in Japan provides guests with a murder mystery and werewolf room. (laughs) So a board game hotel called Mimaru Osaka Namba Station... The name of the hotel is called Station, apparently. Anyways, it's set to open in Osaka, Japan on June 2nd. In addition to the over 130 different board games available for guests to play, there's also a special werewolf and murder mystery room provided for those wanting to immerse in a whodunit 
experience. I think that sounds like so much fun. I want to go to this. So I had an idea about doing something like this like five years ago and I really wanted to do it. But I, instead of a hotel, I wanted to do like a murder mystery dinner restaurant mm. where like all the staff are in on it. It's like a big sh- like performance. Like clue, but... But over dinner. That's pretty cool. Wouldn't that be really cool? Oh, yeah. Especially if like the dinner, like the whole room was like themed like all like Victorian or Gothic or something. I think this actually exists, doesn't it? No. I, well, maybe it does not. I don't know. But I searched for it. It didn't exist. But like, wouldn't that be really cool? Like, because like all the other people that you don't know are participants in the game as well. Well, like, what do you call it in America? Uh, escape rooms are really oh, well, they were really big. I don't think they're big yeah. anymore. Yeah, they were. They probably thing. died out. But uh, let me go to well, one oh, more thing. I wanted to add to it though is that uh, it's starting at only thirteen thousand yen a night. So that's only roughly a hundred dollars a night, which is like a normal hotel yeah. price. With but all the fun stuff. With all this fun stuff. That's cool. I, I really want to go to this. I mean, that's a reason to visit the hotel, not even to visit the area, just to visit the hotel, right? Yeah, and it's in Osaka too. So you stay, have fun. Isn't it? Then, I wonder if it's in Nambat. Osaka is like my favorite place to party. Well, I mean, the name of the hotel is called Osaka Namba Station. So it's in Namba. So I assume it's in Namba. So Osaka is, okay, Tokyo. Love you guys in Tokyo, but I hate your city. Um, thing about Tokyo is that there, it's basically a, a, a group of a lot of little cities together. And so whenever you out, whenever you visit Tokyo, it's like, oh, I'm in Tokyo too. So like, let's all meet up at I don't know, Shibuya or something like that. So everybody goes to Shibuya. But then when you drink, like if you don't get the last train, which is usually midnight or one o'clock in the morning, which that's not how I that's party. Early. That's not how I party. Uh, you have to take a taxi home and it's always far. It's always like an, an additional hundred to $200 just to take a fucking taxi. Drinking in Tokyo is really weird too because you'll go to like the first place. And, All right, let's go to the second party. And then you'd like ride a train for like 15 minutes. And then yeah, it sucks. Like, like, I already lost my buzz. Right, you're like, <laughs> anyways. And it's just, I don't like to, uh, drinking in Tokyo. But in Osaka, everything's in either, I like Shinsekai, which is like the old school area. It looks like, you know that scene from uh, Men in Black where they're like at the old World's Fair? Like, it's been a long time since. Anyway, it's basically like some. It looks like that. There's like this big like, like structure in the middle of like this tower from the World's Fair of like 1930 or something like that. And it's got all these like bars and eateries around it. It's really great. Anyway, I get screwed up there, like fucked up there in the like early evening, and then f- mosey on over to Namba and just stay in Namba. Namba's like everything's condensed in one area. Just, no, I like, always went to Namba when I lived Namba's in Osaka. Great. Love Namba, and then everything's open till like the morning, so you like can club until like 6 a.m. and then get on the way home ramen. It's great. Anyway, uh, so going on to the next uh, thing here, my 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 bro, my dog, Taguchi Show. We talked about him last time. If you guys uh, didn't uh, see last or the previous show, uh, Mister Show, twenty four years old, uh, the the local government where he was living accidentally deposited into his account the entire town's COVID relief funds, and then which is like four hundred thousand dollars, and he just noped the fuck out, and then he spent it all on online gambling. <laughs> well almost all of it on online gambling so he's he's my, he's my bro <laughs> this kid man jesus and if you last show we had his picture in the show he's just like this you, he just looks like he's gonna do something like that anyway uh two things about him one they don't know if they can charge him because he didn't technically steal the money but he acquired and so there's kind of legal gray zone but the casino the online casino that he spent the money in returned most of the funds that, that they received because he spent money on other things as well. But most of the funds, 3.5 million of the 400 something million uh, yen, they returned to the town uh, because, well, it seems like they're doing a really nice thing, but really what it is, it's illegal to be the recipient of, of illegally attained funds. And so they're just trying to not go to jail, but good on them. Yeah, good on them. 
<laughs> Fucking show, man. All right, you got one story left? I have one left. Do you want me to go first? It's John Ken for it. Saisho, good. John Ken for Aiko, show. Aiko, show. Okay, you so, go. So I go first then? Yeah. I have a quiz for you. Japanese etiquette lesson. Should you fold up your own futon when leaving a ryokan in? A, yes. B, no. I don't know. The choices are so many. Uh, I'll tell you what I do, and then you can tell me if it's right. Okay. So whenever I leave a ryokan, I return it to the state that I found it in. Which is? Folding the... No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Folding it. Folding the futon up and then putting it in the closet. Okay. So... Uh, that was the first part. Uh, when you go to a uh, Japanese inn, the futons aren't laid out. So Japanese inns, they don't have beds. They have futons. And when you go there, they're not laid out. And in the evening, when you're usually when you're eating dinner, mm-hmm. uh, the maid comes in, they lay out your futon for you. Uh, so you might think, like you just did, the nice thing to do is to fold it up and put it away. But it's standard practice for ryokans to check the futon for any forgotten guest property because uh, oh. guests often they don't they don't have sofas in the room, so you kind of just hang out in your your bed. Yeah, your the, on the tatami mat. On the tatami mat. So if you put your futon away, the first thing the maid has to do is take everything back out, unfold everything, and then search for everything. And then uh, if they realize, okay, there's nothing here, they have to fold it back up and put it away. So the best thing to do is leave it out. Leave it out. Oh. You jerk. Yeah. I never really thought about that. But then again, like, I don't think I've ever stayed at a Yokon where the maid puts anything out. I always do it myself. Hmm. I don't know. Well, either way, they probably have to check it. And I assume they probably clean it too, so... Well, no, because it has a sheet on it, right? They usually give you a sheet that you put on it or something like that. And then so you you don't, you know, it's like a layer of separation. Yeah, but do you trust the random person to... I don't know. I don't really like Dyokan because I would prefer a bed. I yeah. like Western style hotels. I mean, like every now and then it's good. Yeah, it's it depends on how nice it is and how much nature there is in the area. Like when you ask me for a nice, like, couples getaway place and i uh, the place that i went to with my ex and i told you about like that place is okay because one there's a i had a bed i don't know if you had a bed i had a bed so one there's a bed but two there's also like the tatami area and three there's like a indoor outdoor like onsen bath yeah that place is nice yeah it's really good <laughs> and it's cheap as fuck too yeah for everything that we got it was cheap yeah the food is not the great. food was not good <laughs> no I, that's uh, at that time I, I i recommended that you go out to the little town yeah but eat, it but, was like in the peak of yeah lockdown and stuff yeah yeah but yeah anyway mm, if you're coming from abroad and you want to do the diokan thing i suggest doing it for not your whole trip yeah do it for a night or two or two not the whole trip yeah i actually my bed just came in uh last sunday and sleeping so much better now dude so like i bought this like foam memory phone like extra layer i already have a pillow top mattress and i bought this ridiculously like fluffy comfy extra layer to put on top of that so now when you lay in my bed you just like you know that scene where like i think it's homer emerges from the bush or is uh, it flanders which one is he, it it's homer but he's going into the bushes oh uh, okay okay that's what my bed is like i just like sink down into it until like i'm almost like n- i flush with the with the with the surface, it's like great. It's totally probably horrible for my back. Yeah, soft mattresses are not good for people with bad backs like me. Love it. All right, so let's get to the last story today. Train conductor left behind by own train, Japanese countryside proves he didn't really need it. Here we go. 
So, um, so in the in the station in Ibaraki Prefecture. On the Suigun line, the small town stop doesn't see enough passengers uh, on a daily basis to warrant a full-time attendant. So instead, conductors have to pull double duty, hopping off the train while it's stopped to take care of any un- unnecessary fee adjustments, passenger inquiries, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and they're supposed to get back on the train and then continue on to the next station. So there's usually two conductors on these trains. Uh, anyway, that's how it's supposed to work. But this last time, what on Sunday, what happened was the driver didn't wait for the signal and just pulled out of the station on the scheduled time, leaving the rear conductor standing on the platform. Huh. So his train just left him. And then so if he if the dude was going to wait for the next train, it was going to be an hour later. So what he did is he like walked to a, the next station, which was like like about a mile away. So he, he arrived there on foot and he got right back to work after an 18 minute delay. The train was on the move again because like the dude noticed the other train conductor noticed he's not on the train. So he stopped the train as like the dude like ran to the next station. They didn't have any like taxis or you couldn't like ask someone for a ride. It's in the Inaka. It's in the countryside. Oh, okay. Sometimes in the countryside of Japan, you'll get to a train station and you get off and it's just a box. Oh yeah. 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 There's no, there's no ticketing machine. There's no... It's all a trust system. Yeah, it's just... It's the honor system. Honor system. You just put your ticket in this wood box and you're just like... One time, I think I told you about this. Like, I was... Uh, I used Suica, which is like the electronic payment you, you beep in with your phone. And like, I got off in the Inaka and there was nothing there. Like, if you had properly read the map, it says you can't use Suica past a certain point, but I was kind of hung over. And so like, I get off and there's like no, no way for me to beep. Right. So the next time you had to use it. No, wait, wait. So I'm such an honor scout. What are they called? Boy scout? <laughs> Whatever. I'm so, I'm so honorable that like I, I calculated the fare from where I went to, to that station and bought it with cash in the little vending machine thing and put the ticket immediately into the box right there. So I paid for my journey. But then the next time I went to use Suica, it aired out and I had to explain the story to like the Suica people. Mm-hmm. But they, they reset it and everything is fine. But yeah, that was kind of weird. It's like, what do I do? It's like, it's like going back in time. Yeah. Yeah. That happened to me when I went to one of the stations down south. I can't remember which station it was, but trains only go out there like once an hour yeah. if you're lucky. So if you're ever like traveling out in the Inaka, Inaka countryside of Japan, take into consideration that you're going to have to spend at least an hour there. And if you miss that train, then you're just It's, stuck it's like there. that scene in Spirited Away where like that train, the water train just comes like once a day. It really is like that. Yeah. It's like the train's coming. Oh. And then if it's a bus, the buses are even worse. Like buses like stop at 4 p.m. some places. And you're like, did everybody go home? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know, one of the, the best ways to experience the, the countryside, if you go to the real countryside in Japan is to rent a car, uh, driving in the countryside is really easy because there's nobody there and everybody out there is like a million years old. So they, you know, drive slowly. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it's fun. You get, you know, the freedom of moving around and, but if you can't drive, you know, public transportation does exist and it, it is a thing. So anyway, when you guys come and visit, if you're not already here, look forward to seeing you. Please come to Kagoshima. Yeah, actually, Kagoshima is a great place. If you got, dude, seriously, any fans of the show want to come out and like have a beer? Just come out. I really do think Kagoshima is extremely underrated. Yeah. yeah. The food here is great. There are a lot of really cool places to go to. Nature. You can you can hike a a perfectly anthill volcano. Kaimondake. Have you ever oh, climbed yeah, that? Yeah. You can climb it to the very top and stand where all the lava used to pour out of the the crater. It's crazy. We had a coffee there. It was great. The people I think are also some of the best people in Japan. Mm. Like, like 
there are a lot of Japanese uh, people in general are awesome. Yeah, they are. Uh, I I had a, a lesson on stereotypes in one of the adult lessons. Yeah. Uh, recently, and we were talking about different prefectures, and yeah. the general idea is that like a lot of other prefecture people aren't as nice as college there might be some bias because i mean they yeah are all i mean people. i've been all over the country i've never been to hokkaido because i don't like cold places but Hokkaido's the best i have never met i've never been to a place where i didn't like ah uh uh chubu what where is that um i forgot the name of that place at <laughs> all nagoya nagoya fuck you nagoya sorry not all of you, but most of the places in Nagoya. Shithole. Anyway, um, aside from Nagoya, every every place that I've been to in Japan has been great. Um, I've been to, you know, I've been for TV. I've been privately. Um, it's always been great. I even like Tokyo. I mean, Tokyo people are cool. I do like them. I just don't like the, the layout of the city. Yeah. I I mean, I understand why a lot of people go to Tokyo, but I do think it oh, is a little bit Kyoto, Kyoto. Mm, your people. Mm. Kyoto, like that, that was actually the number one thing in the classic... Uh, all of the classes that I talked about that with, everyone said Kyoto people are a little bit two-faced stuck and stuck, stuck up. up. My favorite uh, CEO, who's like like a father figure to me, like his name is uh, Futoshi, and he's like really good guy. He's taller than me, which doesn't happen a lot in Japan. Yeah. Taller than me, he's like this. He's like he's got lion. Yeah, he looks like a hair. lion. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he's from Kyoto, but he speaks, he's more like a Osaka type character than yeah. he is a Kyoto, but he's one of my favorite people in the whole world. I love that guy. Like every time he leaves, I give him a big hug. Uh, cause he only comes every now and then. But, uh, you know, so I don't want to say all Kyoto people, but in general, I do not enjoy the experience in Kyoto. Yeah. Well, Kyoto is nice. I, like I've said this before, spend a day in Kyoto at most, but no, no, no. go back to Osaka. Yeah, yeah. Get a hotel in Osaka, take the train over to Kyoto, spend like the daytime yeah. there, and then train back and have dinner in, in Osaka. Or if you're really rich and you want to hang out with a Michael, uh, or whatever they're called, I don't even know what this is, a geisha girl, then I guess, but you can't, you can't, you can't just generally go into the places where the geisha are without being invited or being, you know, VIP and stuff like that. So it's not really a touristy experience. I don't know. I don't get it. But yeah, if you ever come to Kagoshima, Mitch will probably have a drink with you. Yeah, especially like, uh, you know, if you guys listen to last show, uh, if your wife has had a baby, I'm obligated to drink with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, guys. Um, I, we're, I'm very happy that the country is reopening. Um, again, if you are a teacher in America or, or English-speaking country and you want a GTFO, email me your resume mitch at stapleton.me serious about that um and if you're coming here on a, uh, for, as a tourist in the future seriously it's awesome place we'd love the hell out of japan we really do as much as i complain about it as much as there's a lot of funny things that really make me laugh all the time but none of it makes me scared or afraid yeah that's true yeah so there you go all right, guys, that's been our show. Uh, if you want to be one of our patrons we love our patrons uh we actually we need to give them a private video uh next yeah, time we'll do it next, next time, time. Next like time. I, I every time i'm the one that's in it i would like to have like another natsuki's our, next i yeah, think natsuki so we'll, we'll do one with natsuki oh she hasn't she hasn't talked to the patrons yet yeah that'd okay, be okay. good that'd okay. be cool next time so uh click on the link in the description if you want to help support the the channel or just leave us a comment or like subscribe whatever we love comments every time there's comments we talk about it in our group uh chat so please leave us a comment again we talked about a lot of things on today's show you can talk about any point in the comments we'd love to hear feedback uh and uh we'll see you guys next time bye bye everybody a big thank you to our patrons 
Jan Myler, Jen, Justin Perkins, and Ellen. Thank you guys so much for your support. Couldn't do it without you.